Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ole Speaks podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 151. And 151 is unfortunately uh, what feels like the amount of losses Juventus has this season. So let me get the specifics out of the way real quick. If you want to listen to this episode and your previous episodes, feel free to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a nice rating and or a review. We've got a whole lot of things to talk about. None of them, absolutely none of them are good based on the week that Juventus just had. So let me bring in the crew here of Sam Lepresi. Hello, Sam. Was this week written by Lemony Snicket? Yes. Yeah. Any I think any horror novelist that you can think of, it was also written by. Yeah, it was uh, certainly a certainly a series of unfortunate events. Yes. Yeah, so we we'll, we will uh, we will have Chuck's drop in mid episode, like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. So I will bring in now Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas, uh, happy to be here. Yeah, just um, the funny thing, and and behind the scenes, a little thing for for the listeners. We decided to record last week after the Europa League game because we thought, hey, who wants to talk about whatever happens with Empoli? Like it's probably going to be a nothing day. And well, it turns out that that wasn't the case. So that's why it took, it felt like we, it, it took a long for a time for us to record. But yeah, it turns out not the best two week stretch that Juventus has ever had. No, no, definitely not. And obviously uh, some themes from that loss to Sevilla have carried over into these uh, last two games, both of them losses as well. So, hey, guess what, guys? We're, we're finishing the season strong. So uh sam your takeaway from the week let's let's get it going here i've got to hit the obvious here and it's just that this is a mentally checked out roster at this point you've got a couple of guys like like gati who are still in it but this this is a team that is is just checked out mentally which frankly to me is a little bit it that's frustrating to me you know this is a team that over the last two days had the chance to jump multiple multiple spots in the standings and has just not been able to bring themselves to the table to do anything about it. And I mean, I, I don't want to start off on the meat of the show on the takeaways, but I, I, I think there are reasons for that and I think we can get into them, but uh, we can get into them later. But yeah, this, this, this is, this is a team that's just, they're done. They're fried and it sucks to watch. It does. Sergio, what you got? Yeah, my, my biggest takeaway is that um, it's never, you know, you can always tell when an era of of a, a team, you know, in, in any sport, I think everyone in this pod watches a lot of sports. So we probably have like examples of other teams or or, or sports that we support, but it, it's very, it's not always as easy to see when an era is over, right? Like sometimes it's, it's, it's not as clear cut when when an air of a team is is about to be done and for this time i think it's extremely clear that you know the the juventus as currently constituted you know the the what we know as a modern juventus of the last you know 12 13 years uh which was a extremely successful period is now for all intents and purposes kind of done i think this is this is it this is kind of like that rock bottom season that you know teams need to have in order to really understand 
where they are standing and and to understand that they're not a team that can compete for anything and that they just need to retool and they need to tear it down and, and start from the ground up. And it's it's been a awful week, just bad news over bad news over bad news on the field, off the field, just nothing good has come out of, of, of Juventus in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, the only good thing about it is that this is as clear a sign of the need to start all over again that that a club has had in a while. Like, I think this is just uh, the point where there's not a lot to salvage and it really doesn't matter. You just have to start all over again. And it sucks. No team wants to be in that position. But this is, you know, I think this is the only path forward for Juventus. And in a way, it's kind of relieving, I think, because it's, it's kind of like you have to scratch everything and start over. And... That is going to be, that's going to suck for a couple of years, I bet, but it had to get to this point and it got to this point and the, the signs are there. You just have to start over. Yeah. And this is no shot at uh, the player I'm about to mention. Uh, we love him dearly, but when the only good news really to come out of your team's camp for a 10 or 14 day period is your third choice goalkeeper signing a contract extension. It kind of shows you where things are at. And I mean, I love Carlo Pinsolio as much as the next person, but hey, you know, when when that is kind of like the bright light and a downpour of bad news, it's like, all right, well, this is where we're at. Yeah, it's just it's interesting because I disagree with you slightly, Sergio, in that I don't necessarily think it's going it would take a tremendous amount of time to get this back to, you know, a place that we'd like it to be. I just think that it, you know, it needs first and foremost, a, a, a coach that can, that can make this team better, that can make the best use of the team. And then the right attitude towards recruitment, which we haven't had in a couple of years now, I think we can get, you know, we have a very talented base. One of the few things that I've agreed with in a Max Allegri press conference over the last several weeks, as you said after the Milan game today, that there's a good foundation and we shouldn't break it up. And I agree with that. You know, we have guys like Fagioli, like Gatti, like, uh, you know, Rovella coming back from the loan. We have guys like Sule and Ealing Jr., Chiesa, Vlaovic, you know, hopefully if, as long as they stay around. That's a, a good, solid place to work from. And with the right coaching and the right additions, I think something can come of that. Now we look to this summer and we see whether or not it uh, they take the right steps out of this point to get to that, ne- to get to that next step. And here's here's something else, and we'll we'll kind of build off of this for the rest of the way, is that coming out of the loss to Milan, and we're recording a few hours after Sunday's game, is that Max Legger pretty much said that after after the loss to Sevilla, this team is just absolutely exhausted, and there's nothing really much left. And I mean, as much outrage as there was coming out of the loss to Empoli and everything that came with it, you know, building up to that point. And I mean, come on, I, it, it's tough to be like, I've been trying to think of a comparison all basically ever since that points penalty happened 
to us recording here of like what what's like a real life kind of situation where you're like okay well we're sitting around all day and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting we take the field we still don't know what the point penalty is going to be we know there is going to be one we just don't know what it's going to be and then all of a sudden we're like midway through warm-ups and it's like bam there it is maybe it's like you know back in college you're prepping for a test and it's like man i feel ready for it i feel ready for it i feel ready for it and then all of a sudden like the format of the test changes to something you have never done before in your life like maybe you're 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 expecting a a written test and it's nothing but multiple choice or the other way around i don't know i like i said i've been trying to think of something all week but going back to allegri's point is that you know saying that the team is fried you now connect the dots and the performances and the points penalty and it's like it was basically from what allegri's saying europa league or bust because that was their only way into the champions league with the points penalty coming down so it wasn't though and i know this is but something in, that you and high, i have, this high, is something that you and i argued over i know a and bit, we're probably going to argue about it again but <laughs> but you just you feel like knowing that the points penalty was coming down and we didn't know what how much it was going to be but we knew when it was going to happen not half hour before before kickoff monday but it's just like you know they they felt like europa league was their best chance and i don't know i mean hey if that's what they felt like then whatever that 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 was their prerogative and now all of a sudden it's like you know we didn't know you know, we, we don't know that Roma's going to lose. We don't know that Atalanta's going to lose. We don't know all these results that are going to happen. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's something that's been going on for four months now. And I can't blame any one of the players for being just absolutely just done with this season. I can't. I mean, I, I can't blame them for being done with the season. I can blame them for taking that out of the locker room and onto the field with them. Because that I find unprofessional and and you know like you were saying danny that roma and atalanta had lost right before the empoli game like the the, the conditions were there I, th- I think roma had drawn though or roma had drawn i think, yeah. I think they drew against Salernitana. Yeah. roma and atalanta had lost points I'll, I'll i'll put it that way had juventus won out from that point on they are into the top four and I understand that there are, you know, these are human beings and th- that there are mental stresses. But if you are in a situation where you control your own destiny and you can't bring yourself up to go play that game. And, you know, if we had lost to Milan, fine. Milan's a good team. Going out and laying a four to one egg against a team like Ampoli, who had only just clinched survival in Serie A the week before, that's just not acceptable. And the other thing is, and and I think this is this is the thing that I was talking about in my in my takeaway. The first point deduction, Juve came out like gangbusters and played like a really good game against Atalanta in that kind of wild, crazy three-three draw. So this they you know they've shown the ability to you know to to move on from that and play good games. And you know that like I said, they had they had everything out in front of them. You know they knew that they still had control of their own destiny they knew that they they still had this the season in their hands and the fact that they didn't rise up from that again among other things says to me that max allegri does not have that locker room the way he had it in january 
because if if Allegri was able to rally them like that once, if he still had the locker room solidly in hand, you would think that they'd be able to do it again. Uh, I, the, the one thing I, that I would say in 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 regards to that is that the the conditions I think are entirely different from from the first point deduction to the, the second one. Just because in the first one, it, it's the middle of the season, you still exactly you can have I, I think a much more different mentality, and that there's a lot of season left. Like there's a lot of football left to be played. You know, we're still competing in in three fronts at that time. Like they, they were still in Coppa Italia, they were still in Europa League. You know, there's I think it's a lot easier to, you know, kind of mentally speaking, say like, okay, this is a setback, but there's a lot of avenues still for us. Like like this is an, an appeal. Like we could still get this overturned. We still have a lot of games left. Like I think that that mentality aspect is different because, and I think, and and in that uh, quote unquote discussion that we were having in, in the Slack channel. You know, I, it was also like this happened three days after they had the worst defeat of the season in an overtime heartbreaker against Sevilla that, that you know, obviously in, and Allegri said it, and I'm sure every player in that locker room was thinking it like, this was our season. Like, you know, this was our one chance to get something out of the season, like Europa League. They lose that one heartbreaking fashion. Then they come out obviously tired, spent, and then they get hit with sledgehammer about this point penalty again i think it's it's fair to say like i understand why they came out flat i understand why they you know they they played the way they did and i wrote about it in the grab pack that leads to a whole other thing about whether or not this team is mentally tough uh which i don't think they are i don't think they particularly are we can debate if if that's a good thing or a bad thing or a criticizable thing that's a different discussion i think but at least this current iteration of juventus and and I, I i say this current iteration you know probably from from the sari years to right now they they just haven't been that that team they just haven't been a team that rises up to the occasion and most most times like uh in the champions league like getting knocked out by by teams that on paper you should be knocking out right and this happened under sari this happened under pirlo this happened under allegri twice and you know, I mean, I think it's 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 very clear that this team is currently constituted. And that that's why I, I said a couple of years because I do disagree with that that thing that that you said earlier, Sam. In that there's some good players here and there, and I agree there's some good bones. I don't think there's a you know complete squad that you could build right now with the guys that you have under contract that is uh you know no doubts about a championship contending team. I, I don't think it is. I think there's good bones. I think there's good players. But this team, if if they're gonna, you know, really go back to the standard that that we have for them as Juventus, you're talking about a 10-player renewal. Like you're talking about a massive, massive squad upheaval. Because right now you're gonna be losing a lot of guys just just to start. Like Rabia's gone, Di Maria's gone, which Di Maria probably not the worst thing considering the last couple of months he's had. Oof. But you know, Oof. weird, right? Like it's it, that's even different. Like a few months ago, we we're like, yes, renew this guy. He's awesome. And now it's like, eh, if he walks, it's fine. No, but, no, no goals, no assists in 15 games. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, it's, Which, it's, and he had a similar stretch of that last year at PSG too. He, he burned out. He burned out, which, which it, honestly, it's, it's like, I can't even blame him because he was playing like every three days. He's an old dude. He burnt out. Like it's it's the Miralem Pjanic effect. Like in his last couple of seasons with with Juve, it happened every single time. Like he was awesome in the first half, 
And then second half, he burnt out and was completely ineffective. And the same thing happened to Di Maria. And, and I think you, you are looking at, at a, you know, a really big renewal for, for a lot of guys that are leaving and just a lot of guys that you're going to keep that are just not up to snuff anymore. It, I, I don't think this is a particularly good team led by a particularly good coach who may or, or may not be mentally fragile in big moments. So it's, it's, that's a tough place to start or that's a tough place to be with your team when the season is over. And when you've authored the worst season that Juventus has had officially now in terms of defeats since 2010. So, and you know, if you want to look at it from the positive and it's kind of what I was saying in, in my, my takeaway, that's the season prior to when this current great Juve started, right? Like 2010, 2011, that was the really bad season that Juventus had. And after that, it was content. After that, it was championships, the best Juve streak in 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 maybe ever, right? Like nine straight championships. So they took that horrible season as an opportunity to start over. And I think the current Juventus has that same opportunity. Like the new board, the new sporting director, whoever it might be, or whenever they name him, they have that opportunity to do the same thing. To decide, okay, this era is completely over. Leo Bonucci, all of those guys, it's done. If they're under contract and we can't get rid of them, that's fine. But they're just like nothing more than squad players. And you have to start all over again. Like that's the, you know, that's kind of like the, the good thing, I guess, in this of a season that it might be kind of like what, you know, they needed to just start all over again. And and I do think I, I you know, we, we can discuss this a little bit more, but I, I do think it's not as as easy as as Sam was saying. I do think it's a major, major squad renewal. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I just said that if it, you know, if it For a were short to, term, maybe, you know, if if you have, you know, like you said, you yes, Di Maria is is out. You've got Sule and Illing to kind of take those spots up and. Yeah, but no. and Ealing, and listen, I, I I like Ealing as much as the next guy. Like I've praised that dude. Like I think last pod, I spent like five minutes straight praising that dude. I think he's really really good. But you know, we have neither Ealing nor Sule nor Fagioli nor Minetti nor Robella. None of those guys are elite, and they shouldn't be because they're young guys and they're going to develop. Kiesa is currently not an elite player. Uh, Dusan Vlahovic is not currently an elite player. I don't think we have. Bremer, I think you can make a case for Bremer. Uh, I think you can make a case maybe for Tech when he's good, he's on a good day. That's it. Like, I think if, if you look at this squad as it's currently constituted and you say, who are your top tier guys who are going to be nominated for best 11 in, in the FIFA Pro Awards or whatever they're called, I think we don't have one. I think you can make the case for Bremer. I think you can make the case for Tech. That's it. And, this and, season, sure. I mean, on talent alone, Vlaovic and Chiesa, if they're playing for a coach that's not shackling them, I think they absolutely can. Yeah, and and that's that that's a positive that's a positive way of looking at it. I don't, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but right now, as it's currently constituted, you're not taking a team that has elite players. You have a team that could maybe one day have talented or elite players. And that's a things break right, but if it's if it doesn't, that that's why I'm thinking like this is more of a long term type of plan, type of you know, rip it up to the studs and build back up because right now you don't really have a foundation 
that you can say, hey, we have this five guys who are like key and a block and these guys are like top of their position. We just don't have that right now. We might in the future if they develop, but right now they're not. And that is why a lot of the rumors are pointing to Cristiano Juntoli getting that five-year contract to build something long-term. Because like we saw with Napoli, it wasn't a snap of the fingers with him, with him there. It was building to this point. And guess what? Napoli, right before we hit record here, De Laurentiis is saying Luciano Spalletti is taking a year off, at least. Look at yeah. all the players who are probably going to leave there. So guess what? As as quick as the best team in Italy got to the mountaintop, they are going to be uh, stripped down to at least some of its parts uh, within the next few months. Yeah. And the other thing about, you know, Sergio, everything that you said applies to the team that won the first of the nine titles in 2011-12. You know, Claudio Marchisio was talented guy who hasn't really come good yet. You know, they didn't have any strikers at all. Whereas, I mean, take as a as a vacuum in a vacuum the striker group from the 11-12 team to the, you know, assuming that Vlaovic doesn't leave, what you'd be carrying into next year. And that's a lot more, that's a lot more raw talent. You know, everybody thought that Pirlo was done. Everyone thought Pirlo was cooked and he proved them wrong. One summer can change a lot of things. And oh, no, so for sure, for sure. So I, you know, you bring back a guy like, you know, another guy to bring back Andrea Cambiaso. You get another good fullback in, you know, the way that, that Stefan Lichsteiner came in to, you know, take away, to make the bad man, Marco Motta, go away. And that can't, you know, I'm not saying it will. I'm saying it can, if if it's done right, really turn into something that can do this. And, you know, what, you know, Fajoli had a, you know, Fajoli had a season that made, that reminded me a lot of Claudio Marchisio. You know, Rovella has been a really, really good, player on a on a shockingly good Monza team this year. He's been one of their best players. So all of these guys, Illing, Sule, they have to take steps. The question is, will they take the steps? I definitely think they can. And especially if you, again, give them the right leadership. I think that this team can go from a standstill to at the very least no longer being a you know a team that gets to a big game and and sputters out like this again you know it, it, at the very least would be a team that that puts the fear of god into some people again and i think that that can happen relatively quickly yeah no for sure like it, it, I, I don't think i'm not saying it's impossible i just think it's it's a lot of ifs a lot a lot of ifs and obviously like you said like in in the 2011 2012 there were a lot of ifs too but you know th that's why i think that season was was so special because no one expected that like no one had expected juventus to be champions no one expected them to be so such a good team because just every single if they had like it turned right like they essentially made a bet like maybe pirlo still has something in the tank he did maybe you know like all of the bets they made paid off and that's why that season was like such a such a kind of like a i don't want to say once in a lifetime but it was like really really unique situation I'm not saying it can't happen, like you said, like it definitely can, but it's the same thing. Like you have to expect that pretty much all of your guys, all of your young guys take a step forward. Uh, you're not going to have a lot of money to play with in the summer transfers. So you're going to have to make a lot of uh, buy low moves that, you know, you hope that every single one of them pays off, which 
Juventus just haven't, hasn't had those moves pay off for them recently. You know, obviously it, it can happen, but a lot, a lot of things have to go right, even to the coach. Like, we don't know who the coach is going to be. Like, we don't know. Maybe they're so broke that they stay with Allegri. And now that's a whole other thing. Like, and even if they fire him, who are you going to bring, right? Like, they have to nail the coach too, which they have failed to do for three years running now with Sarri, Pirlo, and now Allegri version 2.0. They, they it's just it's it's been kind of like a four or five year run in which every single move they've made hasn't paid off and now they have to start over and they're suddenly going to have to start turning a lot of those strikeouts into hits into doubles into home runs i don't know how feasible that that's going to be i i hope i'm wrong because it it should be awesome if next year we're competitive again and and you know we're we're competing for titles but it, it does feel like we're in year zero of a two three year plan to kind of bring this team back to you know to be competing for serious silver where again the problem is uh is does anybody have the patience to you know wait for that many years and uh, hello everyone by the way sorry uh oh my Nataria, god Haru, look who showed up oh wow myself. who's that i feel guy? like kind of one of them rappers that come in like you know in a song that where you're like featuring you know Drake, and then at the end, you're like, one, two, three, right. two to four. Couch, and, uh, couch, put in the air horns here. Chucks is right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, you, you always have the, with those artists, they come in at like, I don't know, it's like uh, XYZ featuring Drake for 25 seconds, and then they come in in like the last 20, 20 seconds, and they steal the show, but I will not steal the show. Um, yeah, sorry, I had some uh, family functions to attend to. Uh, it's Memorial Day weekend, so, you know, all that fun stuff. But, to bring it back to actually the topic at hand, which you guys carried very well um, without me, which is not hard to do without me. But yeah, I guess it, 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 my question is just how much patience does every, everyone have from the fans to, I guess, the media, to even the players really and the board and the management? How much patience does everyone have to wait for, you know, like you said, Sergio, this is a year zero of a two, three year rebuild. Do we have the patience to wait that long for, you know, two years of, well, an additional two years of no titles? Because again, this is now the second year that we've had of no titles. So then it will be plus another two years, which will be four years um, of no titles. And even before that, what was uh, Coppa Italia, was it, or something, or Super Coppa, or something, I even forget. So, I mean, football is an extremely short-termism industry nowadays. I think it used to be a little better back in the days but i mean gone are the years of uh you know having a sir alex ferguson at a club for 20 some years or i mean having people like klopp and stuff uh at you know liverpool as he's been for god what is it now six years i think something like that uh going on six years i mean those are anomalies obviously and yeah football is just a very short-term focused industry so if we're going on three four years of no titles and god knows i mean probably uefa is going to kick us out which i mean i know we're going to talk about that but i'm, I'm just going to assume that uefa is going to kick us out of whatever european competition for at least a year so you know do who does anybody have the patience to be like okay we'll we'll give you guys another well you guys being juventus uh another two years of grace when it's already been the two years of supposed rebuild uh i just knowing how this game goes, I don't think anyone really has the grace or the patience for that, which means, I don't know, someone's head is going to roll. For the record, Klopp's been there since 2015, but 
2015, eight years, man. Wow. Eight yeah, years. and I think, and I think, like like you said, like patience is going to be a thing, and I think Juventus just hasn't given themselves the chance to to take that patient approach, like you know, and it's been because they're kind of like in this sort of vicious cycle of I can't really rebuild because I need money, and therefore I need to be in contention for the Champions League and making it to Europe, and yeah, it's better to just kind of like put a band-aid here and a band-aid there and kind of try to fix things short term because I need to still compete. I need to still make this, you know, European bucks because I'm in debt because like money-wise, everything is not going all that great. But now because of this, I, I do think that finally you have a chance to really, really do that rebuild that you should have probably done a couple of years ago and, and really decide, okay, we're out of Europe anyway. We don't have that responsibility. We're going to lose that money. We, it's fine. Let's see what we have in those young guys. And let's actually see and, and then start the season with your Robelas, with your Cambiasos, with not all of those guys are going to pan out. Not all of those guys are going to be superstars, but you don't know that until you try. You don't know that until you actually give them minutes and and, and play and, and, you know, stop giving Alexandro so many appearances that, you know, <laughs> an automatic renewal Plus hits like and, and I don't even blame them for that because they needed to perform like they needed to have results and they had no other fullbacks and screw it. I mean, that's the guy we have and we have to play him. Uh, they finally can say, look, I don't care if maybe the short term results are maybe slightly worse. I'm going to give that shot to Cambiaso instead of a guy like Alexandro because I need to see what I have in this guy. And I don't have the pressure of making it to the top four. I don't have the pressure of letting a guy learn on the job because I have a game against PSG in two days and I really can't allow myself that room for error. So I'm going to keep playing the veteran guys, the guys that I know, because I need to keep performing. Like that's kind of like the cycle that they've been in for the last few years. This is finally a great chance to say, look, I don't care if next season we're fifth in the league table, but at least, you know, we, we reduced our wage bill. We're starting a project. We're building a project. We're bringing in younger guys, inexperienced guys, and we're going to see what we have. And I think that's just a much more sustainable path towards, you know, winning in the future than to continue on this kind of weird path in which we think we're contenders and we spend like we're contenders and we have the expectations of a contender when we're just not and and i think this is that's kind of like the outlook i'm trying to have for it like yeah it sucked yeah we burned and crashed but it's a good you know moment to really get this project in a place where it makes sense and i hope they do it i, I really hope that they decide to take that approach and and not bring in i don't know who's the old guy with a name for next summer that you know they're gonna bring in for a one year and like a bazillion euros because they still feel like, you know, we're going to do something in the league. Like, I mean, it's it, Bobby it just, Firmino. That's, that's, yeah, something yeah, like that. God, exactly. that, would be, like, yeah. that would be the, like, that would be such, actually, that's such a good example. That would be the example of, like, that short-term fix, like Sergio, like you said. Neymar is ready to leave PSG, like Juventus centers. Like, that type of move, which just doesn't make sense for where the club is currently at. Well, and, and I think, I'm hopeful that that will that would be the case because all of those things that you just talked about, that was all Andrea Agnelli because he had, you know, Agnelli got impatient about wanting about where he wanted Juventus to be and reached too far and flew too close to the sun and everything came tumbling down. 
And so now without Agnelli there, yeah, I think that we can have somebody that'll actually have that patience to build us up again. Yeah, and, and not to really to get it, but because we've, I, I think we've, we've discussed the Cristiano Ronaldo signing, like maybe, I don't know, like a couple hundred thousand times, both in the pod and, and <laughs> in the blog and on Twitter <laughs> and on Slack and pretty much everywhere. But, you know, at that point, you know, obviously everything that happened afterwards, I do think it's, it, it was bad, but at that point, you know, you were, you had just been in the final, you, you were just barely beat by Real Madrid in the quarterfinals. You're bringing a guy that, yeah, for a lot of money, but you're bringing a guy that at that time was at worst, one of the best three players in the world. I think that was a risk that, you know, at that time would you were, you know, it, it, it was, it was a decent chance they took. I think that they, that was a decent bet. Obviously, everything that happened afterwards, and it's it comes back to what we we're talking, right? Like all of those things are ifs. Like they said, hey, maybe if we bring Cristiano Ronaldo right now, we get over that hump. It didn't work out that way. It didn't pan out that way, and that's that happens. I don't think that Ronaldo was a purely sporting decision. You know, no, it never Agnelli was not. Agnelli was not shy about the fact that that he was as much a branding decision as he was. Uh, a sports decision and that I think was the first you know the first major issue with it and we and we didn't have a decent we didn't have a good enough midfield to win this Champions League at that point either yeah and, and even that I, I don't think you can blame them I mean it was fine like they wanted to jump into that merchandising sort of level as the big teams you know you know where in what league you're playing you know you have to compete money-wise with these guys I don't even think it was that bad of an idea it just didn't pan out like you get COVID afterwards like I mean it didn't pan out I don't blame them for that like what I do blame them is pretty much 2020 2021 you know forwards when the plan the initial plan had clearly not worked at that point I do think that was the moment where it's like okay it didn't work and they kind of decided to band-aid it and and short-term solution it up until we got to this point you know, in that moment, I can defend those decisions right after COVID when you knew it wasn't going to work out. I think that was when when they got into this vicious cycle of just trying to make it work with what you had with when what you had was very clearly not up to, you know, up to those expectations. So who's excited for Conference League? At this point, I'd be thrilled with Conference League because aren't we like out of everything at this point? No, we're in conference league. We're in yeah, conference seven, league place. place. It, Inter winning the Copa over the uh, in midweek bumped everything down one place because they're going to be in Champions League. So they're that bumps their that Europa, Europa League, league. spot yeah, down, okay. and then which and which frankly is actually better for us because, like Chuck said, UEFA is probably going to ban us for a year. Yeah, I mean, really, and <laughs> it's it it's. Because in a UEFA when when UEFA bans you, they ban they don't like ban, say like one year, and if you don't happen to qualify for Europe that year, then it's over. Like no, it is the year that the next year you qualify for something in Europe is the year that you're banned, and so, you know, if we're gonna have this, we might as well qualify for the Conference League, get get banned, right. and get it over with, right. as yeah. opposed to you know. And I, I think it was James Horncastle on the Totally Football Pod who was saying something along these lines. Is like, that's that's yeah, exactly that's why you don't necessarily see the same kind of reaction from the Juventus front office 
after this points penalty that you had after the original 15 points penalty because it's like okay that was what january mid-january ish now we're basically the second week second to last week of the season if it's lingering any longer you're going into the end of basically the fiscal and league year so it's like if there's going to be penalties you might as well just get them over now so that you're not carrying even more uncertainty into the 2023-24 fiscal and league year so that basically you can just to go back to what Sergio was referencing ripping the band-aid off and just moving on with it entirely even though you know we don't know how quick a salary maneuvers verdict is going to come down or like we we're just saying how how fast the UEFA verdict might come down but uh just on a side note I do find it somewhat amusing that as things currently stand with one week to go if Juventus were to say get a UEFA ban, a ban and the league table were to stay the same do you know who will be stepping into that seventh place standing and into the conference league? It'd be Fiorentina, wouldn't it? It would be Torino. Uh, this one, yeah, Torino. It'd be Torino, be really? <laughs> that being said, I mean, they can still, like, there's quite, I mean, it's quite tight that 8th through 11th. It's 53, 53, 52, 51. Uh, so Torino, Fiorentina, Monza, Bologna. So, I, it's... I mean, Bologna could be in there, Torino, Fiorentina. I mean, any one of those four could end eighth. And also, I completely, like, I don't know how this would work, but what happens if Roma and Fiorentina win their respective competitions? Like, wouldn't that move things? I I don't know. Like, this is a question. Wouldn't Roma Roma make Champions League and Fiorentina would make Europa League, right? Yeah. I think that's how it works. Yeah, so that would also, yeah, that would shuffle things, wouldn't it? and then even if Fiorentina then end eighth and then win the conference league, then they would already have like let's say we get banned, then the next you know eighth place would get it. But then what if Fiorentina end eighth and then get win the conference league? So then would go what go to ninth? It's Monza, Monza into the conference league. <laughs> it's, yeah, that it's, would uh, be absolutely yeah. hilarious if Monza yeah. ended up in Europe. Honestly, fair play to the, I mean I was thinking about this the other day. <laughs> I was just like. Honestly, it's probably for the better because we don't want it. We don't want conference league. Nobody wants conference league. Europa League, I can still like. I can, yeah, I can it, still, you know, cool. I mean, you can speak for yourself on that, Charles. Like, I mean, <laughs> in, 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 a way, in a way, as much as I'm sure UEFA wants to ban Juventus from Europe entirely, I'm sure Alexander Seferin, in a way, wants Juventus to get embarrassed on like some random Romanian pitch yeah, yeah. in the conference league group stage. Because, hey, guess what? Because that might that might do more damage than missing out on your yeah. I mean, really. Well, and, and here's the other thing, though, and and this is actually something that I'm thinking about writing about in the very near future. If all the reports are true, we could potentially be avoid avoid anything in re, uh, regards to a UEFA ban if we just did the intelligent thing and bailed on the Super League finally, oh, because yeah. that's what Seferin is apparently looking for. And and I'm a little bit this this it's a, it's a little bit surprising because the fact that every report that I've seen is saying that John Elkin is the one that's holding on to this. Since when has John cared that much about anything to do with Juventus? Besides money. Besides yeah, he the, cares about the financial part. Yeah, but 
and you know, this, I mean, and and that's something that we should do. The Super League is over. It's dead. It's not coming back. You know, he's dead, Jim. <laughs> it, it's you know, if instead of of just holding on to a lost cause, like you know, some dude in a trailer park in Alabama, then let's you know, cut your losses with that, and you know, maybe you get back into UEFA's good graces a little bit, and you don't have to deal with anything like that. The way to a bargain with UEFA is very, very clear on the on that in terms of avoiding a ban and more stupidity about the Super League coming out of Juventus's front office. Surprised face. <laughs> There's uh, so this year there was a team from Armenia in the Conference League and teams from like Cyprus, Latvia. Like that'd be fun. Wouldn't that be fun? To go and play in Riga, Latvia. Like, yeah, like Conference League. I'm sold. Let's do it. That'd be funny. And and it, honestly, it'd be it'd be much more fun to play the Conference League and just like and, and it goes back to what, what I was saying. So like the argument, like just bring in all the young kids from next gen, give them playing minutes in the conference league, like just just and, and finish fifth. Like, I don't care. It'd be so much more enjoyable to actually see what you have in these young guys than to keep watching Leandro Paredes, like, just waste everybody's time, like, pretending to be a top four side. Like, it, it just doesn't matter. Like, just take the hit, take the embarrassment of playing Conference League one year, or don't play in Europe at all, and and let's make watching Juventus fun again. At the end of the day, that's all I want. I want to have fun watching Juventus again, which I haven't had in three years, I think, two, three years. Like, it's been... It's been a second since I can honestly say that it was like fun to watch Juventus. Yeah, I want to pose this question before we get to Twitter questions. I was very much battling myself when it came to watching Juve Milan, uh, not only because of how I feel about Juventus these days, but just uh, you had that atmosphere that was weird with the Curva Sud protesting and everything, and then just the overall play on the field wasn't that great to begin with. But... I don't know. I, I didn't really have much interest in watching today's game. <laughs> I don't know how you guys felt. And I know, Sergio, you kind of you mentioned it, that you were kind of half watching and, and probably doing some other things as well. But I don't know. I've never I can't remember the last time I was kind of there, but not really there uh, in, the, in the sense that I was today. But I don't know. Maybe maybe you guys are different. I mean, I've, I've been like that for dead rubbers at the end of a season, you know, especially once we've won. I'd just be like, you know, have your beers and play out the season, play out the games. This one, I mean, this one, because it was still possible to make some noise, like, you know, like I said at the beginning of the pod, you know, a win today would have jumped Juve two places in the standings. So because of that, I, I was feeling a little bit, but I also was... I was trepidatious about what I was going to see, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was, I was moderately, you know, I, I wasn't going in so apathetic that I, you know, could have easily skipped this game if I wasn't paid to write about it and talk about it uh, with you guys on this <laughs> podcast about it. Yeah. So I uh, missed the game. Shame. <laughs> Congratulations. You did not miss much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was uh, actually kind of watching the highlights, uh, trying to kind of watch the highlights as I came in. Like said, how, uh, how short yeah. was that video, by the way? Uh, well, it wasn't on the official YouTube one yet. is seven minutes long. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, that's on a lucky CBS. CBS. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Seven minutes. Uh, and I mean, they did pretty generous um, inclusion of highlights, like yellow cards and stuff. So, you know, but I think I agree. And in general, like I kind of half in general, I've been, you know, watching UV games, but not obviously with as much vigor and as much uh, emotional investment as I used to. But I think just to, I think Sergio's kind of point of like the last game or games that um, we enjoyed watching. And I'll point out three games, the Sevilla second leg game uh, that, I mean, we lost it obviously, but it, you know, like I said last week, it was genuinely, that was a really thrilling game. I mean, that was a really, just a good game of football just in, in general. And I did really enjoy that one. Um, again, obviously the conclusion of it, you know, was unfortunate, but it was genuinely just a great game. And the two games against Inter in the league, those, you know, the 2-0 and the 1-0. Yeah, I enjoyed those ones because those were just really great tactical battles, I thought, and except for the first half of the first game. But yeah, I mean, just think of this season, those are three games that stand out to me. But yeah, I mean, in general, it's just been kind of the occasional flash of like a good game where we, I don't know, beat Sassuolo 3-0 or something on the opening day or beat Sampdoria or something, uh, I think also 2-0 or 3-0 or something on the opening day. You know, those kind of flashes here and there. Yeah, but those indeed tend to be just that, just the occasional blimp. And yeah, that is unfortunate. Yeah, it's, it's and, and I think, I didn't mean like, obviously there's been good games, like even last season, like that game against Chelsea at home, like that, right. that one was a fun game. Uh, it, there's been good games, but more in the sense of just like having it like, like today, like the Milan game, like, like Danny mentioned, and I wrote in the slide chat, like I half watched it. I had it on my laptop and I was sort of watching it and, and, you know, not really paying attention to it that much. Not because I, well, yeah, because I didn't care, but mostly because I, I just didn't think that it was going to be an enjoyable experience. And because I didn't think that this team was going to you know, get up for it. Like it looked like a checked out team and they were checked out. Even the fans were checked out. Like they, they gave them little flags to wave around at the, the beginning and they did. And it looked nice for like a second. And then even I think Danny tweeted it, like it, it was dead quiet. Like no one was even into a game. Like people in the stadium were not in the game. So that's kind of like what I meant. Like, this is not a particularly likable iteration of Juventus or an enjoyable iteration of Juventus to watch. And Obviously, there's going to be good games here and there, but but it's it's just you always kind of tune in, hoping for the worst, <laughs> and you know, hoping for them to to lay a duck, hoping for them to barely win a game they should be winning. Like that, when you actually get a good game or when you actually get a good performance, is like a pleasant surprise. And I think that's been the the case for like a couple of years now. And when those results are continuing to happen, and it's not fun, the results are not there. It's not enjoyable. It, it really, I think you could feel it even in the atmosphere at the stadium. Like, why, why are we here? Like, this is not going to anything. It's it's a meaningless game against a rival, sure, but the, the players don't seem to be interested. We're not playing for anything. I think that the real turning point is that now not even the fans are getting off for these matches. And and I think that's that's kind of like the place where the club is at. Like, we're, we're not even the fans at the stadium can get up for these games. And and I think that's that has to do with the coach, that has to do with the players, that has to do with culture, with the project, with everything. And I think that's that's kind of like the place Juventus is currently at, which is 
not a very good place to be in general. All right. First Twitter question here from Caitlin's Rock HP. I think, I hope I said that right. Grown, is it over yet? One more week. <laughs> 90 more minutes. <laughs> I mean, it's effectively one more week. Yeah, effectively. To your point, Sergio, I hope we just play, I don't know, Matia uh, Perin and basically all, yeah, just all the next gen kids against the Dinese. I mean, what's the point? Why not? I mean, why why yeah, not? Exactly. You know? I mean, you might as well. Are you calling for Dean Hoyson to get his first? Uh, yeah, go on. Go first on appearance Dini. or Chucks? Yeah, go on, Dini. Go on. Uh, go on, anyone. Anyone. I mean, my my cat. Go on. Huh. Where, where is she? I don't know. She was loudly whining just a second ago. So yeah, go on. <laughs> no, but really, I mean, yeah, I would bring you Liz along, you know. <laughs> but but yeah, no, really, I would say just yeah, play play the kids against Udinese. Might as well. All right, next question here from Matthew Imiolik. In a season with so much disappointment and negativity, are there any positive lessons Juventus can take away and learn from? That's a good question. Never trust the FIGC. <laughs> I, th I think as a whole, not, I don't, I'm not sure if this is a lesson, but though I think the one bright spot, and, and I think you know, most of you guys are going to agree with this. It's it's the development of young guys is the opportunity that was given to all the names that you just kind of heard on Twitter and everything. Like when, when you saw the lineups for the Juve under 23 teams that could never, like ne we never really saw them in the senior team for a while. I think that's the first year in which we actually saw that talent pipeline actually make an impact at the senior level team. And and obviously, the, the the guys that got the majority of minutes are going to get the highlights. Your Fagiolis, your your Mietis, your your uh, your Sules, your Ealing. But even getting like a guy like Baranechea, who suddenly played a couple of games in the middle of the season when they needed a body there, I, I think that was a, a good thing, right? Like a Tommaso Barbieri, who was didn't look all that great, but you know, to know that you had those guys and are actually getting minutes, I think that that was. I don't know if it's a lesson per se, but I, I would say that's. That's the thing that you can build on after this season because everything else is probably not, you know, didn't help you a lot, but at least those things are at least building blocks for the future. I think the biggest lesson in it for me is you can't go backwards to go forwards in in terms of Allegri specifically, but also, you know, and this is a team that's had you know, legendary managers come back and, and, you know, have success again. You know, you, we've had Trapattoni come back and, and Lippi come back and, and have successful second stints, but you've got to, you know, there was a reason that, that he left. You've got to move forward instead of back. And that goes also for players too, in terms of, you know, no, no retread or, you know, loans like Paredes blocking promising young guys like Rovella, you know, move forward instead of of looking back when you are trying to develop this team. Yeah, I, I think I'll add two lessons that just specifically to the word lessons that I kind of yeah that I learned this season. I'll say one is just like the the value the really is, or well, let me phrase it a little differently. Uh, how damaging it is to play players out of out of their natural positions, and how therefore beneficial it is to play them 
in their original positions. Adrian Rabio had a fantastic season this year. And again, most of it, I've, you know, I've mentioned it throughout other episodes. I attribute most of it to the fact that he just played in his natural central midfield position. And Keza had an on and off season, uh, you know, again, injuries and still kind of coming back off, you know, that terrible injury from last season. But it, a lot of it, a lot of it was really stunted by the fact that he was being played as sort of a secunda punta, sort of a winger sometimes. You know, nobody really false nine ish once as well uh, when him and Di Maria sort of plays us played as strikers. Just it was already tough for him this season, and you know something like that just made it even tougher. So yeah, that's that's number one, and then number two would be. The fact that it is possible and how kind of it is possible to integrate young players into a team when you have senior, a core of senior players. You know, we had Gatti who started off a little shaky, but ended extremely strongly this season, but still playing alongside those veterans, Danilo and Bremer, Bremer's and Veteran's experience in the league. So, you know, give him that. And obviously Sandro, which, you know, for better or for worse, he's, He's still a very experienced player, of course, by Jolie and Miretti, but playing alongside those experienced heads like um, Rabio. I mean, really, Rabio and Locatelli, also, you know, pretty experienced head there. Yeah, and just the youngsters again, um, Aylan Jr. and yeah, all the rest of them, integrating them alongside our core senior players and just how well our youth has done this season while still playing alongside senior players. So, you know, I think it's good to see that and it's, Good to see a template of how it is possible to not like completely have a different starting 11 and just like kick everybody out and have like all new, you know, youngsters in, but to still kind of plug them in in like three, four positions while you still have that core there. Like that's still possible. And I think we saw a pretty good template of that uh, this season. So that, you know, that was a, I guess, a lesson or just that how I kind of learned that uh, from the season. Alrighty, next question here from our old buddy David Desperate at the True RAC. Have we reached an unsolvable plateau under John Elkin and Exor's ownership? We've seen absolute heights and the depths twice now. Do you trust him to build it back up and include the fans? Are we do- are we doomed to be J customers like the uh like the Coover Sud was chanting in the second half. Can only the team be revived? I know this is a lot of questions here. Can both be solved? Can both be lost? Any other ways you guys want to attack it? Go ahead. I guess to me, the thing with the whole Elkin thing is like, okay, how much, obviously he's, you know, the head honcho, he's the man in charge, but, you know, how much of an impact on the day-to-day operations of Juve does he does he have? I mean, genuine question. Like, you know, I, f- I feel like it's now more than compared to when Andrea and Yelly was around. It's simply, it, be- yeah. simply because he was, and Yelly was almost like a in a in a way he was the president, but he was also kind of like the buffer. Yeah, and and that's what I think it is. Is that I I mean, I I, I mentioned this early on, earlier on in this episode. John has never had a particularly hands on hands-on approach to Juventus. You know, he's, we are, you know, a part of Exor for him and not that much. I mean, I guess he's a, I'm, I'm sure he's a Juventus fan, but from a business perspective, he's never, 
been, you know, he's never had his hands on that many levers. And I think the majority of why he he seems like he has been over the last few months is because of all the the board upheaval and and kind of getting things back together. But I also don't think that he and this is it's hard to say, because on the one hand, I really think that once everything is is settled and straightened out, that he'll probably, you know, if if history holds, he'll go back to that. But then you have at the same time a lot of reports, you know, over the last couple of months saying that he has, you know, that he had been personally intervening in in support of Allegri being the coach, that sort of thing. So I don't know what is, you know, I don't know if he if this has suddenly inspired a decision in him to get more involved. But my guess is that once everything is is more solid and on a more solid footing, especially once we get something like a sporting director and everything like that, maybe add a, a player figurehead to the board like a Del Piero or something like that, that he'll probably go back to being the the man behind the curtain, you know, who who shows up at the at a couple games a year and the training facility a few gets a few times a year. But other than that, really just signs off on the financials. Yeah, same. I, I really do think it, it's not necessarily a question of ownership. I, I do think it's just putting uh, smart people in, in positions of, of power and letting them succeed, letting them make those decisions. And it, it, it sounds a lot easier said than done, especially knowing, uh, you know, how things fell out with guys like Paratici, with guys like Arriba Bene, who technically were those uh, smart guys put in those positions. Uh, so obviously it's a lot easier said than done, but I think as long as you nail that those decisions and just let them go to work like you did with, uh, you know, back then with Marota and, and that whole, that whole, you know, regime, I, I don't really see how or why they, you know, the ownership has to change It's just make those decisions and let them do the work, which they were very successful before, but you know, they kind of went, went in a different way lately, as we already discussed. Yeah, and, and the reason I asked that initial question was uh, because I remember, well, I think I've, I've just been reading about just, you know, business in general and just, you know, how big businesses are run and which eventually, you know, a club really is a business. But a lot of people were just saying that, like, okay, you know, we all look at the CEO or the president and like the, you know, the head of the company and we look at them and be like, hey, what are you doing? You know, like what, like, you know, he, like he or she is then like the focal point uh, for blame and praise. But for a lot of companies, it's really like the COO, like the chief uh, operations officer that really runs stuff on a day-to-day -day basis. And the CEO is just kind of like, I don't know, like you said, like kind of checks off, signs off on things, make sure you know, nobody's, uh, nobody's embezzling funds or something. <laughs> but that really... Yeah, In Italy, no. But yeah, I think it was a podcast or something, or some business forum or something that they were saying, you know, really, you should look at like, you know, the COO, like the person that runs the day to day operations of a company. I remember the example they gave was uh, with Tesla and Elon Musk and, you know, pre Twitter, obviously, but that Musk really barely does anything at Tesla nowadays anymore. It's really his COO that like runs the operations, which I forget, it was a lady, I forget her name, but who really runs the company on a day to day basis. And then that's the person you should really be looking at. So that's why I kind of asked that question with John Elkin. This is like, you know, is it a situation like that where it's like, 
we should be looking at the person who's really running it on a day-to-day basis rather than the head honcho. But yeah. As for the question about the fans, that's a much thornier one because you know, and and this gets into my my deep dislike of ultra culture, because in in this particular case, there's a, you know, I I would agree with them that in in the words of a of a former candidate for it, to to paraphrase a the words of a former candidate for governor of New York, the tickets are too damn high, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I I think that you know so much of the the ultras protesting is because they were no longer allowed to get away with breaking rules, you know, to the point where there were some organized crime elements that started trying to infiltrate the Juventus ultra scene. And that was a whole big thing a couple of years ago. Uh, if you remember that bit, it's a question of, of it's, it's not a question of appeasing the fans. It's a question of appeasing the ultras because they put themselves above the ordinary fan. It's, you know, gatekeeping in its barest form. And I hate gatekeeping in all senses of fanhood, you know, and, and that's going to be a, an interesting thing to, to bring to the table. Cause as, as long as they keep on thinking that they're bigger than, than anything else that goes on at the club, you know, any little thing that is not, yeah, guys do whatever the hell you want will bring these kinds of protests from them. So it's going to be very difficult to to appease them without without totally giving into them and just making it a bit of a lawless hellscape in, in the court of a suit again. And and I do think that, you know, obviously ultras are I think like you said, it's a thorny conversation, it's a different conversation, but you know it's it's about building something that fans are excited to pay that money for. Right. Like I, I remember I remember uh, when I was younger, I did an internship in in Denver um, and I, I, I'm i a big Broncos fan for, from the NFL. Okay. I've always been. So I, I wanted to to watch a game. And I remember they were at that time, a couple of years removed from winning the Super Bowl, but they were kind of starting to be mediocre. So I thought, let's see how the season goes and maybe I'll get cheap tickets by the end of it. And it was indeed a mediocre team, but I never got those cheap tickets because they had built something for those fans that they wanted to buy in and they were they were involved. And obviously, as you guys know, like, you know, American sports, we don't really have that concept of ultras or, or curvas or whatever. It's just it's just fans. It's just general fans who buy in and, and, and go and, and root for their team. And you get just the electric atmospheres as you get in Europe. So I don't think it's necessarily that you need those ultras is that you need to build something that the regular fan, the, the normal Juve fan is, is excited to go and watch. And right now, it, you know, that, that just doesn't exist. Like there's nothing that the fans are excited to go watch. So I think as far as fans, it just goes hand in hand with building something that those fans are going to want to, you know, pay that money to go watch, which, you know, right now they're, they're failing at that. So until they fix that, you know, I think the fan thing is going to sort sort itself out once you actually start, you know, building something that that gives them something to to root for, to cheer for. I will go back to when I was on the podcast with the Maccabi Haifa guys back, got what feels like three years ago now, <laughs> and they asked me why why the Alliance hasn't been sold out much in in the weeks leading up to that game. I was like, and it's basically going back to what Sergio said: Why would people want to pay their hard earned money? to watch 
the product that was being put out there by Juventus at the time. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, now we're what? That was September-ish. So now we're six, seven months removed from that. And it's like, still, still the case. Still the case. And I mean, as, as we know, nothing's getting cheaper in this world. So, uh, and, and the reality is, is that also, you know, these clubs, the more worldwide the game and their footprint is, they're also relying on people to come from out of Italy, out of Europe to attend games. And Hey, that's becoming more expensive than ever. So, you know, not only are the locals not wanting to make the trip to Turin, the, you know, I, I assume if you, to compare, say Juventus from five years ago to Juventus of now, which one would you rather go travel to see? Yeah, it's, it, it happens. Like I remember like in, in a much more le- lesser scale, but when, you know, my, my beloved hometown team Puebla were, were good. Like I would plan, like I live in Mexico city, but I would plan my weekends around going down there early on Friday and because they play Friday nights to go and watch a game. And like, I would call up my friends and be like, Oh dude, like, let's go, let's go watch the game. Like that'd be our, our weekend plan like our weekend activity. And I'd plan my weekend around it. And when they suddenly like they do sold every good player off and, and started over again, like I, I was still a fan. I still liked them just now it was like, Hey, let's, I'll watch them on TV or I'll just, I'll, I'll kind of like, you know, keep, you know, I'll put it on Google and just kind of like update it every now and then and see how they're doing. Like, it's not the same because it's like you said, like you don't want to pay a lot of money to go watch a bad on-field product. And at the end of the day, that's that's what it boils down to. All right, we'll wrap things up with this one real quick from at Kevin Westlife. Give us a reason to believe the club is still at least trying to make the team better. Cristiano Gentoli. I was about to say, hiring a sporting director is a good start. Yeah, Cristiano Gentoli, who apparently, who, who apparently, if you believe uh, Fabrizio Romano said this uh, on the pregame show on CBS, the only obstacle to Gentoli coming to Juventus at this point is Aurelio De Laurentiis. That's a very big obstacle, which yes, is which is, is unfortunately obstacle. a pretty hefty obstacle. But at this, but but the fact of the matter is that they have an agreement in principle with him for for like you said earlier, Danny, a five year contract. Yeah. So. And we mentioned this a week or so ago, but, you know, Gintoli, he's a guy that is good at building teams, which is not something that Juve's front office has been as interested in. They've been interested in names, not teams. And that has been that has come through very, very, very obviously in the squad construction and and the imbalance of the squad from that point on. So the top contender the sporting director job is a guy that is good at taking a roster and making a team out of it and that is that i think is is your is is your your really good sign for the future did you guys hear a name that tuto sport is thrown out there as a potential plan b to uh juventus's plan a um hassan saliamidzic oh yeah because he just got fired on the field at Bayern munich yeah, on the yeah. field. They didn't even let them enjoy the celebration, man. Yeah. How, how cold-blooded is that? Speaking of revolutions <laughs> at clubs, I mean, that's that's a club having a, you know, clean out too. Hey, why not? Come on back. <laughs> it just kind of tells you everything that you need to know about those guys that they, they won the championship 
truly not necessarily because of something they did more by you know Borussia Dortmund bottling it up but still like they won the championship and they were like nope unacceptable like clean house everyone needs to go like this is not the standard it's like what the hell man like that, that that's a good season like that's a good season for like 99% of clubs but not for Bayern I, well, I think according to some of the the Bavarian Football Works people that are on uh, on the SB Nation Slack, there's there's apparently been a palace coup brewing there for for a while now. So this is has more to do with it, there's more to do with that than just what, how they played this season. But they're having they're having the Mauricio Sarri moment in which they they yeah. have to let guys go because uh-huh. you know off the field stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just just on that question and. And and this is something that just, and I know, you know, it just bothers me when people are like, oh, are they trying? Of course they're trying. They're trying. It's their job. Most people try. They are bad at their job, which is a different thing, which is a very, very different thing. Uh, But but they're trying. And it's just, you know, it's just something, it it happened at work and someone just told me, like, it bothers me when people think that we're not trying, like we're trying, we just can't do it. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like okay that that's good that's a decent way of looking at it i know that people you know usually are like oh why are they not trying they're trying they're just either bad or they can't do it and you know i think for juventus i think that's been what's been going on like they they really wanted this to work they really tried to make this work but they're just kind of crappy at it so it is what it is but i think the effort has been there and you know when you consider uh, how much they are pairing, they are paying this team to currently be seventh on the league table uh, and win nothing. You can't tell they didn't try. They just went at it the wrong way. So hopefully they, they can they can hire someone that, that knows how to go at it the right way. Uh, the, the stories that just flashed back in my memory as Sergio was explaining work issues. Ah, <laughs> how fun. That's an off-pod conversation, so let's get to that off-pod conversation. We will wrap <laughs> things up for this week. Thank you all for listening. We always appreciate We always appreciate the Twitter questions. As always, you can send them to us at Juventus Nation on the Twitter machine. You can send. Uh, you can follow us there, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, follow Fans First Sports Network on Twitter at FansFirstSN. You can follow us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Feel free to leave us a nice rating and or a review if you so please. So for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, for the cats of the Old Lady Speaks podcast, the two of them who probably made appearances in the background today as Chucks and I were talking, and for producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys. But the season's over next week. <laughs>